Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys, and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. we got SummerSlam weekend coming up next weekend in Nashville, which I will be in attendance for alongside Mr. Marceau, as we mentioned before here on the show. Flying out Thursday, we'll be there Friday, Saturday, leaving on Sunday. So a bit of a short weekend compared to WrestleMania week in Dallas, and I was there for about a week. Um, but while there, I'm looking to check out StarCast. We'll obviously be at... SummerSlam itself, of course, on Saturday. Um, but I think we're going to be doing a media scrum on Friday, I think. Usually, WWE does that the day before their big pay-per-views, a day or two before. So if they do that, keep an eye out for the Twitter machine, Facebook, whatever, YouTube, for all that content. Uh, but speaking of exclusive interviews, we've had a bunch here lately on the show. Two weeks ago, we had Lacey Evans. Last week, we had The Undertaker. Quite the contrast, I know. This week, we're talking a WWE Hall of Famer, another WWE Hall of Famer, also talking his A&E documentary that aired last Sunday on the channel. Goldberg, Bill Goldberg from WCW fame, WWE fame, the Goldbergs fame. We're talking to him here on the show about his, uh, I say upcoming, but it just aired on Sunday, his documentary, his WWE run, coming back for one more match, the Wardlow comparisons, what he's been up to since his last match a few months ago. It's a great chat. Uh, Goldberg went from one of my most intimidating interviews ever when I first talked to him six, seven years ago, and I aired that interview here on the show at the time back in November of 2015, I think. Um, one of the most intimidating people I ever talked to early on in that convo before he ended up getting, I think, more comfortable with me because he just sounded like he was on edge to start the conversation, and then uh, it was very intimidating. Talked to him another time in 2020, 2021. This was my fourth chat with him, and he was amazing. This was the first time I've talked to him over video, though, and I went up first on Bleach Report on Sunday and in video form on youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. So you can get a majority of these interviews before they drop here on the show in audio form. You can get them first in video form, if not in audio form as well, on YouTube first at youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. Uh, speaking of which, next week I'll be airing my interview with Liv Morgan, the current SmackDown Women's Champion before SummerSlam next weekend, where she's going to be facing Ronda Rousey. That's dropping before it drops here on the show. On Monday, on Bleacher Report and in video form, and the, the interview's already recorded, coming up on Monday on my channel, again, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant, and in article form over on Bleacher Report. I'm going to be trying to talk to one more person, one more Hall of Famer, I think on Tuesday. Um, that interview would likely be up in two weeks here on the show in the fallout from SummerSlam. Um, but before SummerSlam even, I haven't even mentioned it yet, we got Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor coming up on Saturday, Lowell Mass. I will be in attendance for that. Part of the press, looking forward to that with Alexis. It's going to be a great time. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about that here on the show today with Mr. Marceau doing preview and predictions for that show coming up this weekend. In addition to talking about the usual stuff, you know, the TV 14 rating, oh, is it a big deal? It's not. And I, you know, reinforce my thoughts why here on the show today, uh, reviewing Raw and Dynamite from this past week. But before then, my exclusive chat with Bill Goldberg, 
Before even that, though, you got to check out new episodes of this show every single Thursday and maybe Friday next week, and I'll explain why later at the end of the show, um, depending on when we can record Arjun, myself, in Nashville. But new episodes every Thursday, at least every week, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. You can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss a new episode every single Thursday or Friday. I'm not even sure when we're recording next week, so keep an eye out. But crazy to think it's been six years to the day since WrestleRant Radio moved to Thursdays. Exactly six years, because we had the same calendar in 2022 as we did in 2016. So six years ago today, WrestleRant Radio made the full-time move to Thursdays. I may have changed that when I was in my senior year of college. I'm pretty sure it stayed Thursdays though for, uh, it's been Thursdays every week for the last six years and we have never missed the show in the last like fucking eight years, which is great. So I appreciate you guys for your support of the show, the interviews and everything else means the world. So again, finally, last but certainly not least, my interview with Bill Goldberg, WWE Hall of Famer talking his A&E documentary, his WWE run, one more match, Wardlow and so much more. What's going on, guys? Graham G. Samathis here with BleachReport.com and ahead of A&E's WWE Legends episode of Biography coming up on Sunday, July 17th. They're focusing on WWE Hall of Famer, multi-time world champion, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Bill Goldberg. Bill, what's going on, man? Same, same. My brother just trying to uh, survive another 100-degree day in Texas. Oh, my God. I can only imagine. It's hot here in Connecticut, so I can only imagine you're burning up right now. It's hot in Connecticut probably for other reasons, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, the, the sun's shining pretty damn bright here, man. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's been a pretty hot summer. It's only going to get hotter on Sunday, like I said. WWE biography legends on you. Last week, we had Undertaker, the first episode. You're the second episode. The cool thing with you is that we really haven't had a lot of Goldberg documentaries in the last couple of years. I know there was the episode of 24, which I absolutely loved. And I think this will kind of give people a different look and a different perspective of yourself. Can you kind of test that as well? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I don't want to be one dimensional my entire life. But I think that, you know, but if, if anyone understands and has seen the character on the Goldbergs and me dancing around in the last episode of my high heels and pink shirt, uh, they see the antithesis of the Goldberg character. So hopefully in the documentary, they see a little bit about me behind the scenes and a little bit of my interaction with my family, who's my number one uh, reason for existing right now. That's awesome. And it's funny you mentioned that. I have a nine-year-old sister that religiously watches the Goldbergs, knows nothing about wrestling, but knows you from that show. So you kind of like, yeah, it kind of expands you to an all-new audience, which is super cool. And, you know, just kind of going off that, I feel like with these interviews that you do, and I've talked a few times now and the documentaries that you've done, we get a different side of Goldberg, like you said, the family side. Do you still find that people are surprised to see that who you are as an actual person? Because some people only watch the the wrestling product and see how dominant you are and only see that, like you said, one dimensional side. Sometimes I feel like people are still getting to know who you are as a person. Yeah, I mean, it's strategically been placed out there. I I don't like to put a lot of myself out to the public. Mm -hmm. Um, But when when you put something together like this documentary, this is the time and the place to do it. Um, this is kind of like peeling back the layers of, of the, the character and showing the human behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, truth be told, I'm, I'm a man of range. I really am. You know, I, I, when I got into the business, I wanted an 80 year old woman who'd never seen professional wrestling to be able to walk down the street and go, Hey, there's Goldberg. <laughs> well, now I can do that because I've succeeded in some way, shape, or form. So um, 
I, I will bite your head off and, and throw it up right in front of you just as quickly as I'll give you a hug, man. And, uh, and say, thank you very much for something. But, you know, I, here, here's another side. And I just, I keep throwing this out to all these podcasts and interviews, but um, another side of Goldberg. Okay. Go on my Instagram right now, Goldberg 95 and see the picture that I posted. It's a picture of a bird. Um, there's a story behind the bird. We found this baby bird laying on the ground at my baseball, um, at my son's baseball game. And th there's no way as a human being, I could just walk by the damn thing and not pick it up and try to save its life. Now, granted, there are some humans that I know that would have done that, but I'm not one of them. So very long story short, brought him back to, to our house, nursed him back to health. That was about three weeks ago when we acquired him. Two days ago, we let him go. And I'll be damned if I didn't walk in the kitchen today and then walk outside on my balcony and the sub bitch landed on my head. Oh, my goodness. That's one of the most wholesome moments of my entire life. And in a nutshell, it's, it's a definition of who Goldberg is. Mm -hmm. You know, I got a big heart, man. And um, uh, I take things personally and I'm, I'm no different than any other human being. But when the bell rings and I put those tights on and I lace up those boots, I turn into Godzilla. So um, the value of a human being is to be able to show range. I like to be able to laugh, laugh at myself and then rip your face off. So, I mean, hey, there you go. <laughs> kind of covers all kind of covers all horizons there, which is great. And I guess important follow up question. Did you name him or her the bird or did you feel like if you did, you would get too attached to it? Oh, no, I never felt like I would get too attached. Um, yes we named him we, we we found him in franklin texas and his mm -hmm. name is franklin now that's awesome i think he's a girl so <laughs> it's franklina but yeah. uh you know just the story just warms my heart man wow. it's it, it shows i think it shows in a microcosm that i do that i am a human being at the same yeah. time that's fantastic. And like you said, we could see more of that on the special coming up on Sunday. Is, is that what like the last couple of months, because the last time we saw you in the ring was back in February, Elimination Chamber, Saudi Arabia. Is that what the last couple of months have kind of looked for you between taking care of birds, going to baseball games, just kind of enjoying life, hanging out with your family and obviously looking like a beast, still working out like a monster? Well, thank you, first and foremost. Secondly, yes, that's that's all I've done. Tomorrow morning, I'll be taken off to Houston for another uh, four day baseball weekend. We've done that every single weekend this summer, except for one. And uh, yeah, man, I've, I've, I've slid into the father role and the husband role and the dad role. And it's something that I've wanted for an extremely long period of time. And to be able to take part in these type of activities with my son and my wife, it's just, it, it's, it's irreplaceable. It truly is. Yeah. And they got to see your whole career, especially this return run that's seen a lot of highs and lows, one, one world championships and a lot of great matches as well, which is really, really cool. And I know you've talked before how that was one of your primary goals and getting back in the ring so many years ago was allowing your son to see you wrestle, which he did. And he was there for many of those moments, which is awesome. And I know this is probably the same answer as it would have been five years ago when you wrapped up the Brock match at 33, which I was there for and it was excellent. Would you be content coming off that match with Roman, which I thought was perfectly well done for what you guys set out to accomplish? Are you content with that being your last match? If it ended up being your final match in wrestling? Hell no. <laughs> As Goldberg, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. It was great business, but it's not how I want to go out. Is avenging that loss something that really 
like eats at you, not eats at you, but either that or something else that you would like to accomplish in wrestling going forward. It doesn't eat at me by any stretch of imagination, but it mm-hmm. eats it a hundred percent. So yeah. Roman and I were on a collision course for a long period of time. It never happened when it would have been the best, but to say that anyone who beats me doesn't deserve to have their ass kicked afterwards. I would be a liar if I said anything other than that. Is he like the opponent on your mind? If you were to come back for another match, going back for that again, having a more full length match at a, maybe a place here in the States or something like that. Or is there anyone else in the business that you may follow or keep tabs on that you think would be interesting? Oh man. You know, there are, there are a number of guys out there that would be interesting for sure. I think Riddle and I have had a little bit of a uh, controversial (laughs) past. Uh, I'd love to pop him in the face a couple of times, but um, yeah, Roman, I owe Roman something for sure. Um, I'd always like to get Brock again, but you know, Hey man, beggars can't be choosers and, and uh, hey, if it happens, it happens. If not, then, you know, I just got to deal with it. I'll catch him on the Sorry, what was that? I'll catch him on the street or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure you'll catch him around one of these days. There's a lot of people that kind of have that same intensity about them that we kind of remind people of you in WWE and elsewhere right now. One guy named Wardlow, he's an all elite wrestling, you know, friend of Tony kind of know you've met him before and stuff like that. He gets thrown around a lot, obviously not the Goldberg of 2022. Everyone's their first everything. So not to make comparisons, but he's someone that kind of models your intensity, which is really cool. Have you heard of him? Have you heard, have you seen anything that he's done? And do you understand the comparisons that people kind of make there? I understand the comparisons. I've heard of him for sure. I've seen pictures of him. I haven't seen him work that much, but yeah. um, Hey man, uh, more power to him. There needs to be more characters like that. There needs to be serious intensity out there. There's, there's pe- hey, there's people that slice meat and there's people that eat meat, right? <laughs> and he needs to be eating meat. And uh, now Big E is going to come into it, but um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I don't know. I've never read anything about a comparison uh, from him and how he passes judgment on it. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, anybody that's close to the top in their prospective business to be compared with myself, that's an honor and a privilege. That's awesome. And as we wind down here, Goldberg, you talk about making me eating meat, slicing meat. What's your routine? What's your like workout routine looking like these days? And what are you eating? Oh God, my son. Well, my, I try to keep up with my son, right? So he <laughs> okay. works out, he does football in the morning and then he does baseball in the afternoon and he finishes with lifting in the evening. So I try to stay up with him in all of those workouts. Obviously, I don't do the baseball workout, but I, I try to do a little bit of speed stuff. I try to do different cardio stuff, and I sure as hell try to lift with it. But um, it's it's a bonding thing, number one, but I get most of my workouts done when he's asleep, and I can just jump in the gym on my own. That's fantastic. And, and beyond just family stuff, anything that you're looking forward to, just the immediate future that you're doing, keeping you motivated. Like you said, family is a big part of who you are. We're going to see that in the documentary on Sunday. Anything else beyond that? I guess baseball and sports would be one of them too, right? New CBD line coming out next nice. week. Oh, gallons. Um, that's, that's near and dear to my heart. And when everybody's pumping their bodies full of crap that they have no idea what the ingredients are, I partnered up with a company called uh, Hemp to Lab that's just run by high-level executives and high-level scientists, and it's from seed to sell, and uh, it's a one-stop shop, and it's something I'm very proud of. We got some automobile uh, television content coming out, hopefully soon, 
And uh, I got a couple other things up my sleeve, but trying to keep busy. That's cool. It sounds like you are, whether you're, you know, keeping in, uh, you know, keeping busy with the CBD line. Or I remember the last time I talked to you, you were on a tractor that morning, just out in your field and the, in the yard and stuff like that, which is fantastic. But before then, though, we got the A&E special on Sunday, WWE biography legends, yourself, Gar- Goldberg, are going to be the focal point of the episode, which I'm looking forward to as a fan. It was great talking to you today, uh, here is today as well. So congrats on all the success, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. It's always good to talk to you, dude. And, uh, you know, check it out on Sunday, man. Hopefully everybody's entertained and hopefully they learned something positive about Goldberg that they didn't know before. <laughs> That's the goal, man. Have an awesome week and I'll talk to you soon. You too, brother. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Goldberg for the time. Thoroughly enjoyed that chat, and hopefully you guys did as well. And as I mentioned earlier, next week here on the show, my exclusive interview with the current SmackDown Women's Champion, Liv Morgan, before SummerSlam weekend in Nashville. Speaking of SummerSlam weekend, Mr. Marceau, a lot to look forward to next weekend. My bags are packed. What about yours? Oh, yeah, I'm already packed, right? I'm super psyched. We're both flying in Thursday around the same time. Friday, Saturday, we'll be there for all the events. Sunday, flying out. I'm super pumped for the weekend. It, 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 per WWE's insider Twitter account, at WrestleVotes, apparently the company's not all that excited about the SummerSlam card, and usually that account is pretty spot on, so I thought that was pretty funny. But I don't know. Maybe it's just because we'll be there, but I'm anticipating the weekend. Definitely not the most stacked SummerSlam card of all time, but I am looking forward to the show on paper, though. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, I think it's. I think I'm more excited than, than, than most years, but maybe I'm just a naive wrestling fan. Naive wrestling fan. Hey, we've been to a lot of shows, my friend, and this show should be no exception as far as uh, just the entertainment that it brings in person. I feel like a lot of these shows just are a lot better in person than they are on TV. But you also can't bet against WWE this year. We've talked about it before, but a lot of their pay-per-views have been very, very good. Almost all of them. I think the Rumble, Elimination Chamber, Mania, Mania Backlash, which we were at, um, Hell in the Cell, and the rest of them all been, even Money in the Bank, were all, I thought, good to great shows. And I'm hoping SummerSlam will be no exception. We're going to talk about the latest updates to the SummerSlam card and Dynamite from last night, week two of Fighter Fest on Dynamite last night. And we're going to end with the Death Before Dishonor predictions for Saturday in Lowell, Mass. They're going to be doing Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, another stacked card for that show as well. A lot to look forward to, Mr. Marceau. I still haven't decided if I want to do a show in person with you Mr. next week or on Friday or whatever, but I feel like it'd be a missed opportunity not to get your thoughts and everything going on right now heading into SummerSlam if we weren't going to do it in person. Yeah, I mean, it's up to you. I mean, I'm down for anything. Is there anything on tap that you want to do specifically while we're in Nashville? Get hammered. Get ha- well, I mean, you can get hammered anywhere, though. Yeah, but it's in Nash Vegas. Oh, my God. You want to get hammered in Nash, Nash Vegas specifically. With GSM, yes. With the Buffalo, ch- <laughs> with the Buffalo chicken sandwich or whatever it's called. Nashville hot, Jesus Christ. Nashville hot, is that what it's called? Yep. What? What is that? Their signature sandwich or something? I mean, I'm pretty sure it is. Oh my God! All right, I'll keep that in mind for when we're there. But uh, I haven't heard too much about that. I've I've heard a little bit like, oh, you got to try this when you're there and whatnot, and we have enough time to do so. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but before we go further with the Dynamite Death Before Dishonor stuff, like I said, we'll do that in the uh, second half of the show. Let's get a raw from Monday, Mr. Marceau. Uh, as far as uh, this show goes, it was not good. And I think Raw overall this year has been better than it has been in several years. In the last month or two, really since Cody got hurt, um, this show has not been good. And I thought this show honestly overall sucked. Just a lot of filler, a lot of stuff that just didn't matter. Did not leave me looking forward to SummerSlam any more than it was previously. Just felt like a glorified house show, a lot like the week before did, and it was probably even worse than that. Um, just a lot of DQs and countouts, rematches, and more of the same from Monday Night Raw. 
Um, I, I don't know if you would agree, but I just didn't think this that was that good of a show overall. Yeah, Monday Night Show was a tough one. Um, seems like leading into to SummerSlam, we've been getting some pretty horrible Raws, so uh, Monday Night was not a good one. Do you think that, and I didn't even bother bringing this up last week, I went on a tangent about it on, hashtag, on uh, Wednesday's hashtag episode, hashtag AskGSM, that the new rating that is going to be coming back for Raw, reportedly per Andrew Zarian of Matman Podcast, that the show is going to be going back to a TV-14 rating very, very soon, it seems. And I didn't even bother bringing it up to you last week when the news broke while we were recording, because I just don't think it's a non-factor. I won't spend too much time on it here. I went in more depth about it on Wednesday. But I want to get your two cents. Is it something that you're excited for? Do you think it's going to improve these shows, or is it really a non-factor as much as I think it's going to be? I don't think it's going to change much. I mean... At the end of the day, the same people are booking the show. I don't think the rating of the show is going to change it any much. Yeah, I don't think so. It's going to be the same thing that it's been for uh, the last several years as far as the same programming. And would you agree that it's probably not going to change if the same guys in charge are creative? Exactly. That's what I'm saying at this point. I don't expect it to change. Regardless, TV 14, PGR, well, Triple X would be definitely different. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, realistically, at the end of the day, maybe they'll say bitch and shit. Maybe they'll swear more. But besides that, I don't see the show getting any better. No, I mean, again, it's really just an overhaul of creative at the top, and I just don't see that unfortunately happening anytime soon, or changing anytime soon. Uh, to open the show, though, before we got to the Royal Women's Championship match, they had this very weird opening segment with uh, WWE Hall of Famer, Warrior Award recipient Titus O'Neil opening the show, addressing Vince, and not a Vince, that was the funny thing, he was kind of addressing Vince without actually addressing Vince, bringing up how it's a safe space from religion and politics, WWE that is, and uh, just a nice feel-good promo from Titus in his hometown of Tampa, and the people responded well to it. The problem was that this felt like a very obvious attempt to kind of send the message like, hey, Vince will be fine, and it, just, it was a very weird promo, and uh, I'm sure that wouldn't have happened if the Vince stuff wasn't going on right now. But um, yeah, just I don't know what, it, what else to even say about it. It, just, it was very bizarre. And I love Titus. I thought he did a great job with the promo. I don't want to see him get dragged into this, but I feel like every time they have like a PR nightmare, whether it's with Hulk Hogan or something like this with Vince, they bring Titus into it because he's such a great guy that maybe he'll deflect some of the criticism and hatred and negativity going around or whatever. But just a weird way of opening the show this week, I thought. Weird way to open the show. It's completely random. I mean, not, yeah, it was completely random because like you said, besides them being in hot water, you never see Titus. But, uh, I mean, if I was them, I would have just start with the women title stuff with Carmella, Becky, and Bianca. I think that would have been a better way to start the show. It just was extremely bizarre. Speaking of which, thoughts on the Raw Women's Championship match, Bianca Belair and Carmella. I thought they had another decent match, but the outcome was never really in doubt. Uh, Bianca Belair is still the Raw Women's Champion. And as we all expected, Bianca and Becky Lynch made official for SummerSlam one year removed from when SummerSlam, or when, you know, from SummerSlam last year from when Becky beat Bianca, returned, became champion in a matter of seconds, turned heel, and uh, now we are where we are a year later. So I like the fact that we're visiting this. We have a lot of rematches on this pay-per-view, some of which I'm less excited for than others, but I'm actually looking forward to this because they've always worked well together. I thought the WrestleMania match was great, and I'm hoping that this is how they finish up the story. Um, I don't need to see any more rematches. They already had a bunch of matches late last year. They had the Mania match. They feuded going into WrestleMania. They're feuding right now. I don't think there's any real reason to continue this. And we'll get into SummerSlam predictions next week, but I really don't think there's any reason for Becky to be beating Bianca. But going into SummerSlam, though, I think this is the best attraction they could do with the women on the Raw side, with Rhea Ripley being gone right now. And I'm looking forward to it. So the Carmella-Bianca stuff was kind of pointless. 
Um, but the match itself was fine. But I think as far as building towards Bianca and Becky part five or six or whatever it is, I thought it was effective. Yeah, I thought this was a good way to get to where we are now. Um, like you said, I, I'm excited for it. They've always worked well together. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there should be more rematches. It should be the, the end-all, be-all. I, I mean, I think Bianca probably should win. I, I, I don't know if that's definitely going to happen or not. But uh, I think for a year removed, I think it would be the right move to have Bianca win. And then you go on a different direction with Becky, and then you move on. Do you think there's any chance Becky gets the belt back, and maybe they do as people have pitched me before do a double turn I don't know if I would do that necessarily it could be interesting but like I said I'd rather just see them move on from this to see other fresh faces in the title picture but that's just me um I mean I think there's a better chance that she moves brands than actually turning baby face but I mean anything's possible I guess I mean Bianca's good as a face I feel like she could be a better heel but uh I don't think there's any need to turn them both I just I mean it's weird because I feel like yeah Bianca's definitely popular, and I feel like, I don't know, it's not like she's getting booze, so it would be kind of random to turn her. It's not like she's at the point of being like a baby face that's getting starting to get booze. I mean, Becky gets cheered too, but I mean, she's just a, such a star that that's just going to happen, even if she's a baby face or heel, people are going to cheer her. So I don't think so. I think there's a better chance Becky loses and maybe moves brands or stays brands and, and Bianca moves. I'm not quite sure, but I think that's how you kind of get around her not going for the belt right now. Well, speaking of swapping brands, that kind of brought to my attention the idea of the unresolved you know, issues between Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. I just feel like at this point, that is such an afterthought. And with Roz- Rousey recently being beaten by Liv, albeit in like fluky fashion at Money in the Bank, she's not remotely as special, even as she was six months ago, like when she still wasn't exactly finding her footing in the company. Um, when she first came back and whatnot, she felt more special then than she does now. And I know she's getting a rematch at SummerSlam, and that's great and all. I hope she loses, um, just because Liv should have a longer <laughs> reign. She should have a great... I mean, listen, I don't dislike Ronda as much as other people, but you, you and I can both agree Liv deserves a long reign, or at least a couple-of-month reign, long reign, as SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, I just feel like to do Becky and Ronda at this point, I guess they could save that for Mania. But honestly, who the hell could even care at this point? I, I try to tell you people, I said he should not this year. It's the hottest it was going to be, and no one would listen to me. So, I mean, Braun has definitely cooled off since she came back. Definitely since WrestleMania, after WrestleMania. Her old feud with Charlotte like, was just kind of there. I mean, it was nice she won the belt, but, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like you should have done it then and then moved on with it. It's the biggest match they could have done, but they went with her and Charlotte, and now Ronda's as probably the least interesting she's ever been when she's been in WWE. So I think she should lose her live. I don't know if she will, but if she loses the live, then we like, how do you, maybe she goes heel and then you kind of heat her up another way. But I, I really don't know. I, I, I think this might be not the end, but I mean, this is the least popular she's been. And I can see why. Yeah. That ship has sailed. I feel like, I mean, you could always do the match and it would be interesting because we haven't seen it one-on-one yet, but how much does it even really mean at this point? And uh, the fact that they're going in a different direction with newer women, and it's always possible they put the belts back on the four horse women by WrestleMania, or at least the, the three four horse women, three of the four horse women, because Sasha Banks is gone seemingly. Um, but you know they're trying out something new with Liv right now. Bianca's been champion for a while. Rhea Ripley was someone they were focusing on before she got hurt. So I'm hoping that we see more of this and not as much reliance on people like Charlotte and Becky and Bailey, even when she comes back. 
I would have to assume at this point they're saving Bailey because did you see that report last week? Bailey's probably on her way back either at SummerSlam or soon after. I did. I assume she comes back on the SmackDown after. I mean, I guess she can come back on the pay-per-view. I heard that she's going to be in Nashville for SummerSlam, but I assume they save her either for that show or the week after. And uh, I mean, these shows could use her. I know they have uh, a nice division on both brands individually, but I just feel like either Raw or SmackDown could really use her right now. Yeah, exactly. I think I think I would probably still say SmackDown. I mean, SmackDown has a lot of newer women. I just. I don't know where you'd put her. I feel like you'd probably slate her. If, if Ron is gone or if Ron loses and she goes away for a little bit, I feel like SmackDown would probably need Bailey a little bit more. But we don't know when Charlotte's coming back. So you bring Charlotte back and they're both heels. I feel like Charlotte would outshine her. So uh, I think I would go with SmackDown, but I mean, Rob probably could use her too. Yeah, she could be a nice opponent for Liv Morgan. And you could always do her and Bianca on Raw. Um, either one would be fine with me, but her and Liv would be a. A fresher feud, so I would be uh, totally open for that. Kevin Owens was back on Monday's Raw. We haven't seen him on the show in about a month. Um, he had to take time off right before Money in the Bank for undisclosed reasons, but he's back now. Um, he had Riddle on the KO show, who was attacked by Rollins. So they still don't really know what they're doing with Kevin Owens. I guess they're not properly finishing up the feud with him and Ezekiel, which, listen, I don't want to see that really continued, but it seemed like they kind of left it off on a unresolved note, and it sounds like they're not going back to that, which is a little... I mean, just to do one match and have Owens win would be fine with me, but they never actually resolved it because Owens had to take time off, and now that he's back, unless they do it next week, which is possible, they had no interaction on the show, so it seems like that's uh, done now, and they're moving on. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was fine. I kind of heat Rollins and, and, and uh, Riddle up a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they seemingly were going to do something with, with Owens and Ezekiel, and then obviously Owens took time off, and I mean, he basically said his promo, he really didn't care at this point, so I, we maybe will see something, but uh, it's kind of weird that they had it going. It was one of the better things on the show. Owens had to take time off, and now it's kind of falling by the wayside. Yeah, I'm not sure where they go with him from here. I mean, I guess he can get involved in the U.S. title picture. Owens and Lashley is definitely a possibility. If Lashley escapes SummerSlam, still champion. Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Damien Priest beating Rey Mysterio next Monday, uh, marking the 20-year anniversary of Rey Mysterio's main roster debut in WWE on SmackDown, but it's going to be on Raw, obviously, next week. Uh, This was fine. I just feel like beating Rey at this point, even though it was clean, doesn't mean remotely as much as it once did. And this feud just really hasn't done anything for me at all. Um, You know, they're trying to recruit Dominic, and they... He agreed, but not because he wanted to, just to save Ray. And then Damien says, oh, we know what you're trying to do, and they beat him up anyway. So the whole thing was lame. Um, I know Edge is on his way back. The vignettes are essentially confirmed to be for him. I don't really know. I mean, the vignettes are great, don't get me wrong. They're very cool. But I'm just not sure why you would bother promoting Edge and, and doing the whole vignette thing. If they're talking about him anyway, it just seems really weird to do the whole vignette thing when we know he's coming back for Judgment Day, and if he's not, then why are they continuing to mention the fact that they attacked him a month ago, so they've been replaying that almost every week for a month now. So, I don't know. This this whole thing, it's just hard for me to get into, and I just feel like... You already said Judgment Day is pretty much dead and buried, but and I guess that kind of uh, reveals your thoughts on this whole thing. But I know they're having a match next Monday in Raw, and that's great and whatever, but it sounds like they won't be at SummerSlam, and, and that's fine with me because this feud really isn't lighting the world on fire right now. The match has been good, but it's just hard to care. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so over the Judgment Day. It's not even funny. I just once they change it with change it from Edge to Balor, it just it feels like it's like low rent at this point. 
it just I don't know. It just doesn't even feel the same. It feels forced and just don't like it. Um, with Monday's marking, with Monday's Raw marking, the 20-year anniversary of Ray, I mentioned this on Hashtag as far as my favorite Rey Mysterio matches ever, but I want to ask you, as a big Rey Mysterio fan, you have been since you first started watching WWE 20 years ago. I, I think we forgot to mention this, and we probably did at the time, but you've officially been watching WWE, Mr. Marceau, for 20 years, two decades. How does that feel? Not good. <laughs> so talk about Rey Mysterio, your favorite matches and moments of his over the last 20 years in this company. Kid always likes to put me on the spot. I love to put uh, you on the spot. I know. Um, I mean, I feel like my favorite Rey Mysterio match was the him and Eddie from Halloween Havoc '97. He hands down my favorite Rey Mysterio match. Yep. Um, in WWE, I mean, people shit on it. But, I mean, the Rumble for me was always big. I mean, obviously not the greatest Rumble of all time, but Rey winning was always big. Um, match of '22. I mean, not the longest match of all time, but that was a good fun match as a, for as a fan of Rey. Um, like I think we said last week, him and Edge versus uh, Benoit and Angle at uh, I think it was un- No Mercy O two was great for the tag titles on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Great match. Um, I'm trying to think other ones that stick out. There's not a ton that like sticks out like amazing matches, but I mean he's had so many good ones. When I, I mean all the cruiserweight ones, even though like those didn't really mean much, those were always f- fun ones for me. Him against Travel Classic. Him and Shaw had so many matches. Yeah, him, like him, Matt Hardy. I mean, WrestleMania 19 against Matt Hardy was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it goes on, but I just, I have a terrible memory, so they're not all there. But no, I mean, I mean the earliest stuff to me just was always was always key with Ray. But uh, no, those, those are the ones I, I would just rip off the top. I feel like his WrestleMania matches are the ones that stick out to me. Yeah, it's funny because I was, when I was talking about this on Hashtag on Wednesday, it's honestly hard to remember, like, not that Rey Mysterio hasn't had a great match in this company. He's had quite a few, but he's been hurt so often and he had to take so much time off. Like, he'd be around for a couple of months and then leave for, like, another six months or a year. I mean, he missed a lot of fucking time. And he was also gone for a good five-year stretch from 2014 through 2018-2019. So, he also missed that period as well. And he's had some quality matches since he came back. But, uh, I don't know. I just feel like he, he should have had more classic matches than he did. Maybe just it was because his best work came in WCW, but... Not to discredit all the matches he's had in the last 20 years, though, as you mentioned with Eddie Guerrero and a lot of different people. The WrestleMania match, uh, I enjoy the matches with Jericho and Punk in the last 10 years plus. Um, he's had a lot of great ones, so I'm looking forward to the 20-year anniversary next Monday. Uh, really nothing to say about Rollins beating Ezekiel or Angelo Dawkins facing Omas, followed by the Prophets versus MVP and Omas. Who cares? Um, AJ Styles in theory, I thought had a good match. Styles won by countout after Dolph Ziggler again cost Theory the victory. I don't know where Bobby Lashley was this week. I'm not even sure if he was mentioned, aside from the fact that Theory will challenge him for the United States Championship next weekend at SummerSlam. Uh, like I said, good match, but you know it was weird because I told you a week or two ago. I don't want to complain about AJ Styles either way because I was complaining. Oh, it's kind of weird that he's. I, I'm not a fan of the fact that he's being included in the whole Logan Paul shit. I mean, I have no desire to see him team with Logan Paul and in a desperate attempt to get Logan Paul cheered. Um, so he's not going to be involved with that at SummerSlam. It looks like, but then it's also a question of where where do you go with him from here because he just beat Theory on Monday by countout, and, and I mean there's no other obvious direction to take him in. So, I mean, I guess that would give him direction. I'd rather have him doing this, which is really nothing, and just having random matches than being involved with Logan Paul stuff, which where he has no place for anyway. Um, but, yeah, what's going on with AJ Styles, you think, as far as where they go with him from here? 
your guess is better than mine. WWE's guess is better than mine. I don't know. I just I'm glad he's not in the Logan Paul stuff because I feel like it should just be one on one with mm-hmm. with him and his. But I mean, they just drop. I don't know. I just feel like they dropped the ball with AJ. They I just, just don't really know what to do with him. I, I guess yeah. I, that's what I mean. It's sad, but it's just what it is. I feel like they really haven't had a great idea of what to do with him for like the last year and a half, two years. I mean, the Elmas tag team lasted a long time. That lasted about a year, year plus. And that was really to get Omas over more than it was AJ Styles, obviously. That was a vehicle to get Omas over, and I'm not sure it exactly worked, because now he is another manager instead. Um, and he's not that much better in the ring than he was. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they just really haven't had anything for him all year. He had the edge feud around WrestleMania season in every single match he lost. And then they went in a different direction with that, and he never got his win back. I mean, I feel like the whole Edge being booted from Judgment Day really fucked up AJ and Finn and even Edge because I feel like none of them really have any sense of direction right now because of it. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, if I looking back at it now, I mean, realistically, they probably, I mean, it's all late now, but I feel like he would have been like the perfect role that like been on SmackDown, been like the IC champion, and maybe like the, he was the one, like he had a good reign, like that's who Gunther beat, like yeah, being Ricochet, whatever, but like. Oh, like, he should have been in, like, that role. Like, oh, he beat AJ. Like, how much bigger would it have been to beat AJ Styles instead of fucking Ricochet? Ricochet, yeah. Or, like, I don't know, like, he was the United States champion and he lost the theory or something like that. I don't know. I just feel like, besides that, besides once the old Moss thing ended and he got beat by Edge, I just, they haven't really done anything with him. I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, it's weird, too, because I remember him mentioning, I mean, he actually told me this when I talked to him earlier this year, but they kind of rolled over his contract, or he signed an extension or something, and it's like, I don't know, I mean, obviously he wants to end his career here, I'm sure the money is great, he's treated like royalty, I'm sure, from a booking standpoint, and that's not all it is, obviously, there's a lot more to it than that, but you would think creatively, he would think to himself, and I'm not even saying he would go to AEW full-time, but I just feel like a one-off there, or at least testing the waters to see what they would offer him. I mean, I know we talk about all the WWE people in AEW constantly, but and you would probably not be offended, but I'm going to ask you right now. I feel like in a theoretical world, AJ Styles in AEW, I feel like would be an absolute star. He is someone I honestly do not have much worry. I'm not even saying this is going to happen, but I'm just saying in a different alternate universe. I don't think he would be lost in the shuffle. I honestly do feel like he would be a Brian or a Punk as far as how he would be booked over there and not like a Keith Lee in the tag team division or a God knows who else, we, who we barely see on Dynamite. I just feel like in an alternate universe that would work and I assume we're never going to see it at this point because he's sticking with WWE for the rest of his career. Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, I don't know his age at the top of my head, but like... He's like 45, I think, actually. Yeah, exactly. So when you're bringing a guy like that with his name, I mean... It's either at the top or nothing. I mean, I think with those other guys we named, some of them are younger, so I feel like you can not waste years, but like they sense. have years to waste. Like with AJ, it's like he's at the age of like a Brian or Punk. Like they're older, so it's like this is if this is it, this is all you're getting out of them. It's like not like they're getting any younger. Yeah, exactly. Hardy yeah. Boys when they brought the Hardy Boys, and they should have immediately went right to them in the box instead of doing like a month or two of stupidness, and then they got Matt got. Jeff got arrested and the rest was history. Like they should have immediately brought Jeff in to do something big, and they waited a little bit and then it backfired. Well, they probably dodged the bullet because if they were tag team champions, that probably would have been worse. Yeah, you just take the belts off. <laughs> that was going to happen regardless. That was unfortunately a disaster waiting to happen. But no, I agree. Uh, as we wind down here from Raw, anyway, 
Did you catch the latest 24-7 crap? I mean, it is what it is, but the fact that even Asuka and Alexa Bliss were involved with this... And we, we mentioned Alexa... We're on, like, this Alexa Bliss watch every week. We said she was boring, and I like Alexa Bliss, but her current character isn't exactly the most compelling. And she even said in an interview with Ryan Satin that she doesn't know where it's going as far as what the ultimate endgame is, which I understand, but I don't think you're going to find that endgame in being involved with the 24-7 title crap. Yeah, I completely agree. The 24-7 stuff, I mean, I've zipped through it. I have no time for that shit, but... I mean... The fact that they still... The fact that it's still on TV is bad enough. I just... I mean, people always say, like, they need to change... Allegedly, this was always a USA Network thing, and it's just... At first, it was cute and, like, had its moments. Now, it's just, like, literally a waste of space. It's a waste of space. It's a waste of time. Like, can we please move on from this? It's just jobber city, and it means nothing. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, if they want to have it, I think that's a waste of time, too. I agree. But I feel like the only purpose it serves at this point is to devalue people that should not be involved with it, like Asuka and Alexa Bliss. I mean, Asuka didn't technically contend for the title on Monday. She didn't win it. Alexa Bliss did, and then she was quickly pinned by, like, Akira Tozawa or Tamina or whoever, which I'm thinking, okay, this is just ridiculous. Yeah, it, it is stupid. Like I said, she's, she's better than that. Um, it, it's just, like I said, I feel like they just have it on TV just for time, like like something to kill time, but like, it's just stupid. It, it does nothing. It, it's one of those things, instead of the tag team division, which they put no effort in, they put more effort in the dumb fucking 24-7 championship that's just terrible than other, like, I feel like the tag team belts got as much care and time as the uh, 24-7 thing did, like, they'd probably be over. Maybe. They would have more of a, yeah, they would definitely have more of a division and they would actually be on the show, and I don't think those titles are ever coming back. Yeah, they're gone forever. Speaking of which, quick side note before we close out this Raw review here, your thoughts on Cora J trashing the tag titles on Tuesday's NXT? Uh, I loved it. I mean, honestly, there were a lot of people that were upset. I can't say I'm among them. I mean, I think in theory it's stupid. But the thing is, those titles have not meant anything. They will never mean anything. Yeah, they have a few women's teams there. But this company, dude, just does not care about women's tag team wrestling. I don't know how many times I have to say it to how many different people. This company does not give a fuck about their women's tag team division on any brand. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, it doesn't matter. They just don't care. And they'll never be a priority. So why continue to pretend that they that they matter by continuing to feature them. Maybe Cora Jade will come back, or uh, Roxanne Perez with a different partner. I saw on the website that they actually vacated um, Cora Jade's half of it, which, that doesn't even make any fucking sense, but um, the whole thing is just ridiculous, and I feel like we should just move on from it, and hopefully use this as a reason to get rid of them for good. Yeah, I just... I mean, I think it's, I think it's not that it's funny, because it's not. I think it's funny... That people like don't understand that the tag, the women's tag titles get no love. But like the men's tag titles barely get any love. So it's like they're not going to push the men. Why do, why do you think they're going to push the women? And I, I think with the right mindset or the right booking, I think a women's tag division would work. I mean, theoretically, it could work, but it just I don't know. It just never has. When they brought the second pair of belts to NXT, it was a mind boggler to everyone. Like. You barely use the ones on the main roster. Why would NXT have them? At that point, it should just be like a universal thing. Mm-hmm. They go down NXT or NXT people come up. Like that's what they realistically. That's the direction they should have gone in. But I mean, technically, technically, Roxanne Perez is still one half of the champions. So I don't, I don't think they're totally dead yet. But I mean, what's toxic trash going to win the belts again? Who gives a shit? Yeah, who gives a shit? They're just props at that point. Good for them if so, but. 
I mean, are you going to give him back to, to Casey? The fact that they've had those belts for almost two years now, and Casey, Cat, and Zara, and Caden Carter, who have been a team for like five years, have not held those things once, to me is just funny for some reason. Yeah, it's because, I mean, dude, I don't even, yeah, it's just, the thing is, at this point, like, it's with Carter and Chance, it's like, if it's not now, it's never. It's just like, at that point, just break them up. <laughs> That's I mean, the thing with them. It's like, it's not funny, but, like, they've been a team for so long, and they've never won the belts. It's like, shit or get out the pot. And then Brad's like the same. It's like, either do it or don't. Like, yeah, like, he's like, oh, they might win and they might win and they never do. It's like, just move on at that point. Well, it's also not even as if, like, they've been in NXT for so long, there's no chance of them being called up. I mean, the fact that Aaliyah was called up after, what, six or seven years in NXT and she was finally called up last year. I mean, anything is possible. I don't think there's, I don't think all hope is lost for someone like a Katana Chance, Caden Carter. Casey Catanzaro, whatever. I feel like there is still a chance they could pop up on Raw or SmackDown. I'm just, I don't know. They've been spinning their wheels for so long, and they're not like, they have improved, but they're not at the point where it's like, oh, they're so great. They need to be in the main roster now. It could go either way, but like, what's the point of having them around if they're not going to be, because the whole point of NXT should be to groom people for that next level, if not to help people that are already in NXT. It seems like they've been slotted at an enhancement level and will never get to the main roster, but then again, I said the same thing about Aaliyah, and, and then she's on SmackDown now, so who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, I think, I feel like uh, fucking Casey Kanzara has a better chance than Carter does. I just, I don't know. She's more, she's obviously been in like the whole Ninja Warrior thing. I feel like that's just more appealing to them. And I feel like as a baby face, she could definitely get over. But I don't know. I just, I just don't understand what they do with some of these people. But like you said, Aaliyah got called up. She missed the coconut loop like six months, six years ago. But hey, she finally got called up. It hasn't really improved all that much, but yeah, she finally got called up, so that's I guess that's something. Um, they just hand out those call-ups like candy at this point. The Miz accepted Logan Paul's SummerSlam challenge, so it will be one-on-one. I can't really say this segment did much for me. I mean, they had Chomp out there. Who cares um, at this point? I'm glad the match is one-on-one, and Miz is trying to make it work. And like I said, we've said this before. I don't even dislike the idea of Logan Paul in WWE. I think he's actually a great fit for the company. What I don't like is the idea that he's supposed to be a babyface, because I just don't think this crowd on Monday or even at SummerSlam are going to take him as a babyface. I just think they're going to cheer Miz over him. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole making him babyface is not going to work. I mean, it's just not going to work. He's he's just not relatable, or wrestling fans just don't like him and his ilk, so he's definitely going to get booed. But, I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like I just would... thing is, I just... Miz is so hated, like, they should have just done the turn of him being a babyface. He used to be the babyface, and, I mean, Logan Paul's going to be healed. Maybe they think they can turn people, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he's impressive in the ring, and maybe that's what they're thinking. Oh, people will respect him so much, they'll end up turning him face that way, but I just, I don't see that happening. I mean, um, he's just not, as a character, He's and even maybe as a person too, he's just not that likable. I just look at him, and I just don't like the guy, even based on how he acts and what he says and shit like that, so... He has his fans, that's for sure, but I don't know if his fans are going to be in full force in Vegas or in Nashville, rather, to be cheering him against The Miz, so uh, time will tell in that respect. But we get to week two of Fighter Fest on Dynamite on Wednesday, a uh, Shark Week-themed episode, which was honestly not very good. Like, I had a lot of negative things, not negative, but I had a lot of criticism for the tag team title change last week. I thought that was a good show, though. I thought this was really not that good of a show. Um, we had Brody King beating up Darby Allen, which I thought it was a good match. But it just seems like Darby Allen never wins whenever it matters most. 
Oh, easily. I mean, I understand they're somewhat pushing Brody King after he lost to Moxley. So, that's lost him. I mean, if they're still building him out to, beat, to face Moxley, I get it. But when he lost to Moxley, Darby needs wins. I mean, I didn't really love him losing here. I, I would have just had Darby win. I, I mean, Brody King's big, but, I mean, House of Blacks, besides him, like, we haven't seen Black in a while. Was Buddy Matthews even around? Like, I haven't seen him in a while as well. So, I would have had Darby win. He needs some momentum. He's kind of fell by the wayside when most of these WWE guys have been getting called in. And, like, I feel like he's been projectively going down and down the card. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think Darby needs to win more or he'll fall to the wayside. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, especially if the end game is going to be Malachi Black and, and Darby Allen at some point, which it should because that match sounds amazing. Why would you have him lose? The, I mean, like like you said, they're they're building up Brody King, and maybe they'll have him avenge the loss soon. But especially after he's already lost a lot, like he lost to Kyle O'Reilly, he lost to Adam Cole, to Darby Allen, he's lost to a bunch of people. I just feel like to have him lose to Brody King doesn't exactly make him look like a threat. So he's still over. It's not like he's buried or anything. Like you said, it's just very weird booking. So we'll see where they go with it. Uh, Miro and Malachi Black appears to be the direction that they're going in with with Malachi, which is interesting. I don't know if that makes you know, Miro a babyface or whatever, but, you know, I'm on board. At least it gets Miro on the show, so whatever, and it should be an amazing match if that comes to fruition. Uh, Blackpool Combat Clubs, John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta knocking off best friends. I like the match. Very random. I know Wheeler Yuta has history with best friends and whatever. Um, I mean, Moxley just kind of came off like an afterthought here despite being the world champion, but, you know, this was what it was. Uh, the only part that I really hated about it was that they hit Best friends did two consecutive pile, at, at least two, maybe three, consecutive pile drivers on Yuta, and he kicked out a two. I'm like, this is the dumbest shit. Like, what the what the fuck? Um, but other than that, I thought this was a good match, though. Yeah, I thought it was a fine match. I mean, I'm not the biggest best friends or Yuta fan. Like you said, hit him with two pile drivers, guy kicks out. I mean, Christ almighty, he's the Undertaker or Brock Lesnar. I just... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they're trying so hard to make him like a star or make him into what they want him to be. And it's just like, if he kicks out of every move, then it's like, can anyone actually beat him? So, I mean, it was what it was. It was a fine match. But, I mean, the less Chuck Taylor, the better for me. Any idea who might be next for Moxley as world champion? It feels like he's kind of in a holding pattern until they figure out his next challenger. Yeah, I don't I don't have any guesses at the top of my head. I, 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 I don't want to even speculate. We'll get to it at the end, but there might be one name that could be coming down the pipe as far as uh, who we could be facing either at All Out or before them, but we'll get to that soon. Um, Swerving our glory, Sterling and Nice interrupting their championship celebration. I, I, I've got nothing. Any thoughts on this at all? This was stupid. This, this was ter- Anything with Mark Sterling and Tony Nice has go away. You know? This is like sports entertainment bullshit. I mean, this was really dumb. Yeah, it was. it's awful. Christian Cage and Luchasaurus knocking out Varsity Blondes in a matter of two minutes. Jungle Boy coming back for the first time in a month, confronting Christian. Luchasaurus goes after Jungle Boy, ultimately aligns with him, and then Jungle Boy runs off Christian. I thought this was well done. I will say this, though. I don't think Luchasaurus is going back to being a babyface within, what, three weeks? I think that'd be incredibly dumb. I think this is more of a case of, um, you know, they're just kind of playing the long game and Luchasaurus is fucking with Jungle Boy and ultimately he's going to turn on him. So I think that that's where this is headed. Yeah, I mean, the match itself, I mean, did the Varsity Blondes ask for their walking papers yet? I mean, Christ almighty, they got beaten in a matter of seconds. Um, they haven't meant any less than they ever have. They lost Julia. They've lost every match since that mattered. They got squashed here in a minute or two. They might as well just pack it up. I mean... Call it, call it, call it quits, guys. Because 
ain't getting any better than it is now mm-hmm. uh, on that aspect. But yeah, I, I think I don't think Luchasaurus is going to side with him. I think Jungle he'll turn on Jungle Boy, and then Jungle Boy will beat him to get the Christian. Yeah, and that's ultimately where this is headed. Uh, we had the Ricky Starks Championship defense of the pointless FTW title open challenge with Cole Carter, formerly known as Troy Two Dimes Donovan in NXT, who got cut about a month ago due to uh, I think it was a drug test failure or whatever was rumored to what it was. What was rumored to what it was uh, that what caused him to get let go. Uh, the match was fine. Carter actually dominated the majority of it, which was a little weird, um, considering he was a fucking jobber on dark before he went to NXT, and he was in NXT for a couple of months, so a little weird. Um, the match was fine. Starks wins. I'm glad Starks was even on Dynamite because I feared that he might be off the show once they failed to win the tag team titles. And now they're doing Danhausen versus Starks next week. Um, I don't honestly, Danhausen going for the pointless championship. I don't, I like Danhausen. That means nothing. I mean, I don't really care about that as far as like, that doesn't bother me, but this could lead maybe because Danhausen is buddies with Hook. So your thoughts on the whole Starks and Carter thing, but I think where we're going here is Starks and Hook. For the FTW title, which if you're going to use the FTW title, put it on the guy that, you know, the son of the man who created that. I feel like that makes the most sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the direction it might go in. I mean, I haven't seen Hook in a while, so I don't know if he's been on Rampage or Dark Duty. But, uh, no, I thought this was good, and it was a fine match. Except I felt like, uh, what's his, I don't even I know it was Troy Donovan. I feel like he got a lot of offense in, which was surprising. Um, but Stark won here, and... I guess we get him and Danhausen next. I'm not a big Danhausen guy, but <laughs> if it's him and Hook, Hook and uh, Starks, I, I guess I'll go along for the ride. Yeah, if they turn Hook face because he's already over anyway in that role, then that, that makes the most sense to me. Um, the FTR promo I thought was fantastic. Addressing the Briscoes who are not on the show, we will not see them on the show. Uh, there was that report rumor a while ago that the Warner Media, not even not even all of them, just like at least one of them from TNT or Warner Media or whatever. Does not like the Briscoes for what happened with them and uh, what they got in trouble for about a decade ago, which they've since apologized for. And I can understand why people wouldn't necessarily forgive them for that because it was pretty bad. Um, but it was also so long ago. And I mean, it, it's hard to build up a match on one of your upcoming pay per views when you don't have one half of the teams that are there. So that's a little tough. But they made the most of it. I thought the promo was great, specifically Harwood mentioning the daughter story, I thought was. Uh, very touching. I mean, these guys are, I mentioned it last week, I know you agree, the best tag team in the world. They're cutting great promos. They're over. They got all the titles. And they're just firing in all cylinders right now. They're one of the best parts of Dynamite and AEW TV every single week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I mean, I understand what's going on, but they definitely should be on the show. Briscoe, as I'm saying, like, you're going to build them up, and then you're not going to put them on the show. I mean, the promo itself was good. I understand there's some issues going on with what they said and stuff, but uh, I thought this was good and no complaints on my end. I agree. Uh, the baddies, Jade Cargill, Kira Hogan, knocking off Athena and Willow Nightingale. Uh, Layla Gary couldn't compete due to an injury or whatever. wasn't cleared, so turned it into a 2-2 two two tag team match instead. Um, I thought this was fine. It wasn't great by any means, but it was okay. Uh, Jade pinning Willow, you know, obviously building to Athena versus Jade, if not Jade versus Athena versus Chris Statlander, but for what this was, it served its purpose and moved the feud along. So I thought it uh, did what it was supposed to do. Yeah, it was fine where it was. I mean, the other girl wasn't involved. I thought she was originally scheduled as a sick woman, and then uh, the newest baddie, she wasn't in it. But this match was fine for what it was. Um, Nightingale was basically in there to eat the pinfall. I guess we'll see more for Athena and Cargill. Yeah, we'll see. 
Now we get to the main event, what I wanted to talk about this entire time. Unfortunately, what was really not a great show was made even worse by the main event. And this is really what's going to be, the show is going to be remembered for going forward. A barbed wire anywhere match between Jericho and Eddie Kingston. Now I won't rant about this for 30 minutes. The match sucked. Um, this was not good. I was never a fan of the stipulation. I thought it was interesting. I was hoping it would exceed my expectations. Because some of these hardcore matches that AEW does, I hate the hardcore shit. I hate when TNA used to do it every week. I mean, at least in WWE, it is definitely watered down. I'm not even saying I'm a big fan of their style. But there is a happy medium there. To where you could do stuff like blood and guts once in a while and it means something. But when you do this shit at least once a week, every week, it means absolutely nothing. I mean, I used to tell you the same thing about TNA. Oh, Monsters Ball. Oh, Street Fight. Oh, Steel Cage. Oh, no, squ- no disqualification. They used to do that stuff every single week. And AEW at this point is no different. If this is what TV14 is, I have no interest because this was terrible. Um, the rest of Jericho Appreciation Society, or at least most of them, were in a shark cage. Ty Conti came down, knocked that Ruby Soho, and a Jay Turnheel. They tried to open the cage. They couldn't do it. They had to go through the cage. Man, Interference City... Jericho won, which is why I think he might be next in line for a title shot, which I still think you could have done without him winning here somehow. Uh, Kingston just can never fucking win. I know he won Blood and Guts, but first of all, it wasn't technically him. And he beat Jericho Revolution, and maybe they'll do a third match out of this, but this really has got to be it, and it's clearly not. I mean, there's probably more to come with this because of the finish and whatever, but this sucked. Uh, No one came out of this looking good. The match was a mess. And it was probably one of the worst Dynamite main events that I've seen in a while, if not I've ever seen, because this was just terrible. Yeah, this match was absolutely terrible. I mean, usually I'm the one that rants and craps on it, but I let you go first, luckily. (laughs) All the strong points there. But yeah, overbooked. The hardcore stuff is just not for me to begin with, but the run-ins and then the cage and the heel turn and then made no sense. Like the Jericho Priest side is supposed to be locked in the cage, but... Ty Connie and Sammy Gravara in the group and they weren't in the cage and then they got involved and then Jericho won which was stupid to begin with and then they did oh well Eddie King's got his, got his uh, comeuppance he threw him in the like no we lost gives a shit yeah like, yeah stupid. Excalibur said that he's like oh at least he got the last laugh I'm like what What the fuck does that even mean who cares he lost the match he gives a shit yeah yep. I just I mean I'm, I'm so out on Jericho and Moxley for the title nah, no thank you yeah, been there, done that. And listen, I don't even mind the match, but as like a pay-per-view main event or whatever, I just, I really just don't care. I really don't. And I just, I'm out on Jericho, like main eventing another pay-per-view in 2022. The Jericho, I mean, even on his own, I feel like it'd be fine. Like going into Revolution, I thought Jericho was doing some of his best work. But this JAS stuff is BS. I mean, it sucks. I mean, this shit is just really bad. And Sammy is just, anything he's involved in and Ty at this point is complete go-away heat with me. Um, Eddie does not come away from this looking good at all. This was just complete garbage. And, uh, I mean, again, I would love to say we can move on from this because I feel like hopefully it is over, but there's a decent chance it's not over. And Eddie and Jericho have a third match at some point. I mean, this is a feud that has been going on, dude, for like eight months. I mean, it's completely hysterical at this point. Yeah, it's, it literally should have been last night. It should have ended. Eddie King should have won. Move on. I just feel like Jericho, yeah, I got... I mean, maybe technically, maybe it is over. I, I really don't know. I, mean, I hope so. I mean, but I mean, with Jericho winning, I just, I don't know, I feel like it's going to continue, and I'm just so over at this point. 
And the stupid stipulation doesn't help either. It's one of those dumb spectacles like, oh, oh, it's barbed wire anywhere. And they got barbed wire in the microphone, which was cute, I guess. I mean, it's just stupid, dude. If you did this stuff once in a long while, then maybe. But we just had like one of those big gimmick matches with blood and guts three weeks ago. So it's not even special. It's just stupid. So Yeah, it's so fucking dumb. I just... The shark the cage, best- too. I mean, come on, man. What the fuck? This is WWE like level bullshit. It's just too much. It's too. It's like I said. It's like monster ball level. Like we get it every week now. It's like hardcore matches. Moxley. I mean, Moxley gets juiced every week. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. Which is like, oh my fucking god! He fights a singles match against Take a shit on and fucking is juiced out. Like he just. I, I don't understand. Like every week, this guy he bleeds. Like it's not special when you do it every week. Yeah. Just I agree. stupid at the end of the day. No, and then it means nothing in this match to me. Meant nothing. Um, but as we wind down here, Mr. Marshall, so we got Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor on Saturday, uh, the latest Ring of Honor pay-per-view. They've actually done a very good job of building up the show, which I'm looking forward to. Um, it's it's going to be, they know that, that Super Card of Honor show, I don't know if you caught it, but it was one of the best shows I've seen all year, and I'm, I'm hoping this will be no different. Um, Allison Kay and Willow Nightingale on the pre-show. Um, Allison Kay is the former um, NWA Women's Champion. She was an Impact for a while, and she was the... Impact Women's Champion many, many years ago. And uh, I think she was on one of the buy-ins a few years ago. I think against Thunder Rosa. I think she contended for the NWA Women's title. Uh, but Willow we've seen enough of, and I think Willow Nightingale's probably winning here because uh, she's been on AEW a lot lately. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I believe that girl, that, the first girl who said Allison, was it Allison? Allison K, yeah. Allison K, I was going to say Allison J, like Sarah J. But uh, J. yeah, I mean, I feel like with the E so far, with the whole ring monitor, AEW, conglomerate, whatever you want to call it. Like, the AEW people are going to win more than not. So, I mean, Nightingale's fine. I, I probably, if it was me, I'd probably say I would have Kago, but they usually do push the AEW people, so I say Nightingale will win there. Well, that's why it's interesting you mentioned uh, the AEW people might win out here, but there is going to be the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team titles that we haven't seen since uh, Final Battle, since the last Ring of Honor, pay- or one of the last Ring of Honor pay-per-views late last year. They're bringing the belts back with current champions The Righteous, which is Vincent Bateman Dutch, against the trio of Dalton Castle and the boys. I don't think any of these guys are signed to AEW slash Ring of Honor. I know Vincent is currently an impact. Um, Dalton Castle was at one of those Battle of the Belt shows facing Gresham a few months ago. So, I think, again, if Vincent's an impact, and I don't know if they're going to sign the other two guys. I know you don't really know who a majority of these guys are. I get it. But do you have a pick between these two teams? Because I'm thinking Castle and the boys will win because I think Tony Khan likes those guys, and they've appeared more in AEW than Vincent and those guys have. So I think that would just make the most sense. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Mercedes Martinez, Serena Deeb, Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Martinez just won the title two months ago, but Deeb is... Phenomenal. I don't know, dude. I would put the belt on Deeb. I think Deeb is great. I mean, you can keep the belt on Mer- Mar- on on Martinez because, like I just said, she won it a few months ago. But Deeb is just on another level. She's been killing it since uh, turning heel, and I thought the um, Thunder Rosa feud was was fine, and the match was great. I would give the belt to Deeb personally. I don't know if she will, but that's my pick. I'm gonna go off on a limb and say Deeb wins. Yeah, I mean, I think Deeb's great. I I just I don't know. She seems like one of those AEW people, like. She's good. She'll be pushed, but she's never going to win the belt. I feel like this Ring of Honor kind of merger, whatever you want to call it, like this is going to push like those people that might not win the belt in AEW, or like they're just kind of maybe they'll use them, but this will kind of give them more credence. So I, I would put the belt on Dee. I'm not a huge Mercedes Martinez fan to begin with, yep. but I, I think Dee's been great in AEW. It's kind of 
kind of like not fair to her because she's put she's put a lot of people over and she's she's amazing. I agree. Wheeler, you to defend the Ring of Honor Pure Championship in a Pure Wrestling Rules match against Daniel Garcia. Um, Yuta's been champion since April when he won at the Supercard of Honor show. This is part of the whole, you know, Blackpool Combat Club, Jericho Appreciation Society shit storyline. Um, I, I don't know who's going to win here. They've been really protecting Yuta. Um, Garcia's another guy they're high on, though. So, um, I honestly don't really know. I'll get I'll get your prediction first, and I'll kind of go off of that, to be honest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a fast one on you and have you go first here. Okay, I have a question. What the hell is pure wrestling? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter surrounding the outcome, but as far as that goes, it's just straightforward wrestling, no like punches to the face, and there's only a certain amount of rope breaks, and I think they have, I don't know if they have rounds, but um, that's pretty much what it is. It's, it's just a more structured match where there's more rules in place. You can't do a certain amount of dives and stuff. There's rules that are in place, but it's, it's honestly right up your alley as far as what you would like, I think. Okay, so I'm going with Danny Garcia. I'm going with Yuta then because Danny Garcia would need a fucking cannon to to beat Wheeler Yuta. So <laughs> he can't use that. You said he can't punch him in the face. Can't no weapons, nothing. I mean, he needs an AK-47 to beat Wheeler. So uh, I'm going with Wheeler on this one. All right, well said. Uh, from there we go to the let's see. You didn't pick. Oh, I didn't pick. I'm sorry. I I'm I'm so used to picking myself and then you picking and then moving on. No, I'll pick uh, I'll pick Yuta as well. I could see Garcia winning because I feel like he'd be a nice fit for that title given the competitor that he is, but they're really pushing Yuta right now. They probably want to give Blackpool Combat Club all the gold, if you know where I'm going with my next prediction or one of my next upcoming predictions. But, uh, yeah, I think Yuta's going to win here and retain the title, at least for a little bit longer. Uh, tag team titles, two out of three falls match. If you didn't catch the six-minute video hyping this match up on the AEW YouTube channel last week, I would strongly recommend you do so. It was fantastic. The face-to-face between FDR and the Briscoes. Uh, like I said, two out of three falls, Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. FTR won the first one. Did the Briscoes win the second one? Uh, did they win the second one here, Mr. Marceau? Or do FTR go two wins straight? Because I'm thinking it's going to be FTR all the way. FTR all day. I mean, it'll be another great match, but FTR all day. I'm thinking the same thing. Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal, Ring of Honor World Television title. I think Joe retains. We haven't seen him in months, and not that it really matters, but I think Joe uh, wins here. I was going to say, I was going to go the opposite. I feel like we haven't seen Joe in so long. I feel like Jay Lethal's going to win there. Is he hurt? I don't know. I haven't seen Joe in forever. So. I think he's still in a show or something. Oh, okay. I mean, fuck no. I was going to go Jay Lethal, but now... No, go Jay Lethal because I'm going Joe, so let's switch it up. Yeah, I'll go Jay Lethal. I don't know. Maybe film a show. I feel like it's back. That's fake news. He's been hurt the whole time. That's where he got let go of NXT. <laughs> you know what? I'm going he's injured. Jay Lethal wins. All right. All right. Interesting pick. We get to the main event, Jonathan Gresham and Claudio's Castagnoli Ring of Honor World Championship. The build to this was nearly non-existent. They set it up six days ago on Rampage. You know what? I'm not complaining because they got Gresham on the show and, you know, Castagnoli's there. I'm, I'm kind of curious to know what their original idea was because I think the, the, the plan before shit changed because Brian got hurt was to debut Castagnoli on the show, probably as a surprise. So if he was going to debut on the show, unless it was an open challenge, then I don't know who they would have had Gresham face because Gresham has barely been on AEW TV in the last couple of months. He's been on Rampage lately, but that's about it. Um, they really should have built this up a lot earlier than they did, but Castagnoli just arrived three weeks ago, so they didn't really have a lot of time. So that's a bummer. Uh, honestly, all roads should lead to Claudio becoming champion. 
people are saying, oh, it's too soon. They should build towards it. Honestly, I, I don't care. Just put the belt on him. I like Gresham. He's barely on AEW TV. But Claudio, is, they, he's the one they should be putting the belt on. But to have him lose his first match in probably a shitty fashion because Jonathan would probably cheat. Just just put the fucking belt on him, especially if this is main eventing. If you really want people to get if you really want to get people to care about Ring of Honor, you put the belt on people, not just ex WWE guys, but people that you're gonna wanna pay to see on these sort of shows and watch the Ring of Honor show to to watch wrestle or whatever. So I think Claudia wins here. I think he should win here, and we got a new Ring of Honor world champion. Yeah, I mean anything but Claudio winning would be dumb. I mean, I don't really know much about Gresham, but I mean if he's gonna go after the belt, Claudio should win it and be like the face of Ring of Honor, this new revamp of Ring of Honor. So I would have Claudio win here. I think it's a great role for him, too, because if they're not going to put the AEW top title on him, and they shouldn't, I just don't think they should, personally, then I think another world championship in the form of this championship for Cesaro is perfect. The former Cesaro, current Claudio, whatever. So I think that's awesome. And Hey, you know what? Maybe because Gresham is part of this new Tully Blanchard Enterprises faction, who Brian Cage is also a part of. If you didn't know, because he's barely on the show, you would you would never know that. Maybe we can get a rare Brian Cage match challenging Claudio at some point. I feel like a Claudio Cage match would honestly be fucking great. Yeah, it'd be it'd be good. But if if he's never on TV, I really don't care about Brian Cage. <laughs> You'll lose, and then we'll never see him again for another eight months. And then they'll they'll dust off Lance Archer and he'll face Claudio. <laughs> I'm surprised that hasn't happened, and I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen eventually. But uh, yeah, I'm sure Lance Archer would be a, is going to be in Ring of Honor before long. Anyone else from the AEW roster actually you think would be a good fit for Ring of Honor that we don't see all that often in AEW? Whew, that's a good one. Um, I Dustin, like, I feel like would be fun. To Dustin would be cool. Yeah, I, I like the fact you know FTR is a perfect fit for it right now. We've complained a lot. Oh, they're never on Dynamite. They've been on more lately, like this year, but. If they're going to be in Ring of Honor, I think that's perfect. Joe's another good one because I don't think he should be in the top title picture in AEW, I don't think. So he's good, but, you know, Dustin. Eddie Kingston would be cool. Eddie, Honestly, Eddie Kingston and Claudio, they already established that. That'd be great for that top title at some point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of them, I'm trying to think where else. Uh, Ethan Page, I mean, they haven't done a lot with him. Yeah, break him away from Scorpio, please. Yeah, I mean, those are just some people off the top of my head. Yeah, those, uh, those people would make the most sense. So I look forward to the show. It should be a fun night on Saturday, and we will speak more about it next week, Mr. Marceau, here on the show. I still don't know if we're going to do it the day before or when we get there, either Thursday or Friday. I would love to do it with you in person at the hotel because I think that would be great. I had a SummerSlam on Saturday, which, like I said a million times, we will be in attendance for Mr. Marceau. So uh, start packing your bags because it's coming up quick, brother. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's already packed. It's already packed. You're ready to go. Got your chicken sandwich ready to consume that on uh, the weekend. So I'm looking forward to it. But new episodes every single Thursday, Mr. Marceau. Maybe Friday next week. I don't know. Uh, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Like the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode every single Thursday or, like I said, Friday. Uh, have a great rest of the week, brother. I'll catch you next Thursday, bright and early, in, in Nashville for SummerSlam weekend. Feel like I'm in.